and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the latest album from Sharon Van Etten called Remind Me Tomorrow, and it starts with a track called I Told You Everything. first album in five years but she's done a lot of other things during that time she did some soundtracks she acted in a tv series called the oa and she went back to school to become a therapist apparently because she had so much experience with interacting with fans who wanted to tell her her their whole life story and really had an emotional connection with her and she wanted to sort of take care of them and so she thought that being a therapist might be a long, good long-term career path and she also had a baby she, there's such an emotional vulnerability and openness mm-hmm. in this song it's really remarkable that the very first song on the album is a song about meeting someone and immediately telling them everything and it's Mm -hmm. it's this nice way of saying hey i'm not gonna be holding back here you're gonna get full blast this emotional reality and i hope you're ready for it and it's there's this sweetness of that piano balanced against this sort of vague menace of that synth that does that just doesn't go away this drone that gets louder Mm -hmm. and louder but then fades again but it it never goes away and that that sense of you know revealing your emotional reality to someone, it's like here it is, and that person's rea- reaction might be, 
<laughs> you almost died. Wow, that's hell of a story. The the drone and the synthiness also indicates a real shift in her musical style. And she has said that with her last album, Are We There? She really micromanaged everything and brought in the musicians she wanted and produced it exactly how she wanted. And so she realized that if she wanted to evolve her sound, she was going to have to bring in somebody else to bring in some new ideas and so John Congleton produced this record and his influence you can really see throughout all of the songs yeah that's he is someone's fun to look at the credits because he's apparently the most in-demand person you just like oh sure Lana Del Rey and Destroyer and Angel Olsen and all these people want to work with him but the results do speak that there's this it, it could be overproduced it's so produced and yet it never disguises her voice being the lead player here. And I, I think to start with this very non-structured, almost non-poppy meditation is an interesting take. But then I think we go into a slightly poppier, if still very vulnerable track for the next song. It's called No One's Easy to Love. a good job i think of uh building anticipation we hear that chorus is delivers in such a big way it's so swooping and majestic and yet what i like is that the first verse and pre-chorus are super long you really have to wait for it and then coming into the second verse suddenly she speeds things up and gets to the point much more quickly so it's this lovely like wait for it wait for it wait for it oh my goodness that's so big and then it just she doesn't make us wait the second time and it's a really fun poppy take on the songwriting approach and yet it's when you get down to the surface that that emotional reality of doubting the ability to be in a relationship and like nobody's easy to love and it's it's so sad even as the music is so pretty what i like about this record is that i think she does a good job of capturing the feeling of being in a happy relationship after you know, a lot of her earlier work was about an emotionally abusive relationship she was in for a long time. And so being in a better part of her life, sorry, I'm sick, a better part of her life and a better relationship, but still feeling the anxiety of waiting for the other shoe to drop or feeling like you can never really relax. And also of having a baby and worrying about that baby's future in the world. Yeah. And Fundamentally, it comes down to this, I think, leap of faith with 
the person whom she's singing where she's like prove me wrong you know she has this horrible anxiety and fear and it's like no you know i love that prove me wrong but don't say i lied Mm -hmm. and so that like this is the emotional reality but i want to be wrong i want to believe that this is real and and yet at the end it's just just say you tried like that's all we can do is try to make it work and it's a beautiful sentiment if a little heart wrenching. It's but, in its reality, it's rawness. But I think that's what really makes the album work together as a whole is all these songs are very different, but they all ha- have that feeling of emotional openness and vulnerability, but also kind of anxiety and the there's the under underlying drones and sort of minor key synths that go throughout that create this sense of unsettledness. Yeah. And so I think from here, which I feel like is one of the prettiest, most poppy compositions, we go into one of the darkest, synthiest, kind of ambient scariness. It's called Memorial Day. So much going on here in terms of the synths and the very menacing sounding drones and there's a sample of her just saying ha that is looped and kind of drawn out so that it sounds like a weird synth instrument and it's it it's i think the most atmospheric of all of the songs on this record yeah i mean i described it as spooky and yeah there's this feeling yeah. of menace of having these forces that you maybe don't understand and certainly can't control at your sides. And it's this underlying message of just run away. No, you have to stay and you have to stay and learn from your mistakes or you'll repeat them. And so it's, I think, a pretty dark emotional reality that's being put into the soundscape that is very dark and spooky. And the entire thing is awesome, but also so unsettling and it's a wonderful combo. Yeah. And I really yeah i think the, i pr- appreciate this uh, even the sequencing on the album where we come from i think one of the popular songs to this uh, maybe the least poppy song and then i think we, we go directly from this very kind of spooky meditation on stay run learn fail to another really c- 
poppy song with a great chorus yeah and that's called comeback kid shortest song on the album and certainly the, I think the most conventional in, in structurally but even then I appreciate how Sharon Van Eden will do little tricks like changing up the lengths of verses like oh this will be six lines oh this one's four so you're never quite sure what to expect and then hear the chorus completely shifting from comeback kid to don't look back being almost complete inversions of each other so even within this short very poppy song there's a lot going on mm-hmm. yeah I, I think some of the a couple of these songs i'm thinking comeback kid and 17 also are deceptively simple but there's so much going on and especially if you listen with headphones there's so much musically and sonically from the little synth elements and the drones and the structure as you said that there's a lot to observe and a lot of depth yeah i love the there's a really warm kind of obviously synth but very kind of analog sounding organ Mm -hmm. that anchors this and makes it feel so warm but then we hear these little kind of hiccups happening into it that mean make it feel super synthetic at the same time and we right at the beginning of that section we heard so i love that combination and then along with what i think is the first genuinely oh that's a bridge Mm -hmm. i think that we hear Mm -hmm. on the album and it's super catchy all the way through and i think prepares us then for another delve into the sort of weirder and spookier side of things sonically on the next track we'll hear it's called jupiter four touching your face Save 
Sharon Van Etten was writing this album, she was sharing studio space with the actor Michael Sarah, and he had this synth called a Jupiter 4 that she started playing around with, and that is where we get the title of the song. And it really anchors us in a time, because I guess if you look up that particular synth, it was only sold for like a few years in the late 70s and early 80s, and yet it has this timeless quality, and yet... to me, not knowing that backstory necessarily on the Jupiter 4 synth, it also, I think, has this futuristic sound that has a very, it's kind of put me in kind of a sci-fi mind space as well, even as the song itself is this, it feels like I'm in some desolate future where you're just searching for love out there. And it's wonderful because the lyrics by themselves are sort of very sweet, like, oh, I'm in love with you and everyone else is looking for a love like mm-hmm. this, how great it is. Mm-hmm. And the song musically is so undermining (laughs) well i think it captures the anxiety and dark psychic undercurrent of sort of giving in to becoming attached to someone and knowing that that makes you vulnerable to being hurt and i think that's what is kind of being captured in this song yeah that that's She's saying a love so real, a love so real is kind of this repeated mantra. And she's like trying to convince herself almost in the face of all of the uncertainty in this world as symbolized by all these crazy layering of spooky synth sounds. Yeah, the woman who directed the video for the song described it as a love song in a haunted house, which I think is a really great description. I love that and I can't top it. So let's pivot again from this spooky song to another of the poppy songs and one of the singles off the album called 17. faded out the synth the kind of weird squelchy synth ends up coinciding with her voice and it's sort of singing along with her for the la 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 it just is a nice effect of her playing well with the weird synthy elements yeah this song is sonically so at least initially feels very 80s from the very first drum sound that comes in it just has that very processed like flattened out uh reverb that is so mm-hmm. endemic in the music of that time, and the and the do 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 the little de- like like bingy synth. I yeah, don't the, know what you this, call that. Yeah, the synth sound is very eighties, and I think she's straight up in. You know, if you she acknowledges that she was ended up channeling Bruce Springsteen, and I think it's it's a great take for this, and it ends up being such a wonderful, like I'm in my mid thirties, 
looking back to myself as a teenager and trying to have a dialogue with myself and it it's really touching and sad but also hopeful it's just like yeah you're gonna get through this and you get to be me and i guess it's kind of she talks about it like oh you're ha- like you're halfway through this life they're like oh well 17 is the middle age of someone in her mid-30s <laughs> is really cool and I think this song is was co-written by Kate Davis, who I guess was the last episode we yeah. did. And I think was maybe that collaboration inspired us. Oftentimes at the end of the year, we're kind of like, oh, what's it gets a little dry for new music and we'll look at some best of lists. And that this album was on a lot of best of the year and even some best of the decade lists. And so it, it inspired us to give it another look and like, oh yeah, this is actually one I want to listen to a bunch of times. So yeah, I hadn't been it. a big fan of hers previously, but I think this is a real musical leap forward and it's such an interesting record. Yeah, and I, I am really impressed again with her ability to balance these pop instincts that make this, these songs as catchy as they often are with weird little songwriting touches like in this case it's verse chorus verse chorus the bridge we hear is the purest of la 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 mm-hmm. and then immediately coming out of that the entire song like the song starts to break apart there are these weird like the tempos change where the vocals slow down while the synth speed up and break apart and even the chorus itself changes the and lyrics. her voice gets really strange yeah she gets re- as i said it's like it seems sort of hopeful and then it becomes a little desperate And yet it's like, hey, she's here and she's making music. So there has to be some hope there. And coming from that, uh, one other nice touch is that in that last, at the end of that chorus we heard, there's this little throwaway line, you know, who's my shadow. And then a couple songs later, the next song we'll play is called You Shadow. Shadow. song is sort of like a distorted version of a 60s girl group song there's the what's almost like a horn section but it's really just a very fat sounding synth and then the 
the the high synths that are like a little bell that seem very cheery and the tone of the song is also just very cheery and boppy and yet the lyrics are very dark and they're basically kind of putting someone down who's not who's just kind of following her around and not having any original ideas yeah it's i i think it's maybe the funniest song on the album like it just has this sort of cheerful dismissiveness of like you ain't nothing you you haven't done anything all you do is just ape my stuff and that's it's a little bit cocky and yet I think fundamentally I mean there's a little bit of hopeful it's like hey maybe you can figure this out and like hey like instead of you know don't copy me but be inspired by me and Again, it's maybe a little bit cocky, but hey, five albums in and she's clearly an established musician. And I'm sure there are people both personally and musically who are starting to uh, just uh, copy what she's doing. And it's like, no, be inspired because that's what this is all about. I think what I really like the most about this whole record is how it's so it conveys a feeling so effectively. And there's, uh, you know, the lyrics are often very oblique and I don't think it's she's she's not focusing the meanings on the lyrics so much as she is on the sound and the, the feeling that this point in her life is what she's experiencing at this point in her life, conveying that through music. And I think she does that really effectively. Yeah. I think it's not to say that the lyrics are in any way lacking, but I do feel like it's a sort of composition first Mm -hmm. and that's where the real impact hits for me and of course that's usually how I listen to music is sort of compositionally first but then I feel like the the lyrics do shore everything up and give it this nice through line emotionally and sort of helps you make sense of what's otherwise these kind of crazy shifts where we go from these very poppy very upbeat numbers to crazy you know uh very atmospheric and some very very upbeat some downbeat and there, but there's a, it does feel like it's all coming from a cohesive artistic vision and clearly a veteran songwriter who, who knows what she's doing. Well, and John Congleton deserves a lot of the credit too. And I, she says on, it might've been 17, I can't remember, but one of the songs where she wrote it as kind of this straightforward ballad and he took it and was like, why don't you try it this way? And had her rethink it a little bit. And I think that that has like allowing her to reflect on somebody else who really wanted to introduce a different kind of sound to her music allowed her to move in different ways that she might not have if she was doing everything herself. Exactly. A confident artist who knows when to collaborate, to collaborate Mm -hmm. with songwriters. I think two or three of the tracks here do have Mm -hmm. co-writers credited, and I'm sure others just talk to people. And then obviously Congleton being such an influence and throwing it like, hey, let's do some, some theremin in here and these crazy different synth sounds that, again, it could go all out of, the, out of control in the hands of a lesser producer, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. So the last song we'll play is actually the penultimate track and it's called Hands. And it's, it's what I think is, it's like the hardest rocking uh, track on the album. You don't think 17 is hard rocking? I think it's, it's, it's rocking, but it's 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 not as heavy. Like I feel like the hands is the heaviest track on the album. All right. Well, we're gonna go out with that. We've been discussing Sharon Van Etten's fifth studio album, Remind Me Tomorrow, and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.